Welcome, guys, to another episode. We have a sailing team with us uh, today, and I'm very excited to share this because uh, I've always been in amongst the early uh, adopters or early kind of like the hipster sort of approach of I knew these guys before they were big. Um, So here's another uh, uh, group of people uh, to add to the collection and a group of sailors, and I'll get them to do the introduction. Uh, But uh, long story short, they're going to go to the Olympics in Paris in 2024. And uh, you heard it here first, and they're going to be such an amazing story. And this, this, even this podcast will be used as snippets uh, for, towards their journey, towards uh, um, ungodly amounts of fame and fortune and all the rest with, uh, within the Australian sailing culture and the rest. So, uh, you know, those times where you, you never really thought that Australia was involved in the sport and then all of a sudden we're the best in the world at it. This is one of those times. So <laughs> here we are. Um, if we have, uh, yeah, we have Amy and we have Will, the team. Um, thank you for being here live all the way across from Tasmania. And thank you for being here, guys. Thank you. We're, we're honoured to be here and it's super exciting and we're glad to be able to speak to all of your listeners as well. Yeah, thanks for that massive introduction. <laughs> My introductions are like raw. There's not there's no scripts and I'm just like, man, how can I really butter this up as much as I possibly can? Um, but um, yeah, well, first and foremost, guys, like how, how did you, what was your like first mo- memory of sailing? Yeah, sure. Well, um, let's get back to when I was nine years old. Yep. Um, out of the Vaucluse Yacht Sailing Club um, in Vaucluse in Sydney. Um, grew up out of there uh, sailing with Savo uh, and got taught uh, how to sail as a life skill um, through my dad, um, which, to be honest, I didn't like at all at first. Um, it was really a, a scary thing. The whole the wind tiffing my boat over and potentially swimming with the sharks really got to my mind. Um, but then I started enjoying it and um, turned to the competitive side when I was older. Amazing. For me, um, my brother, who's a few years older than me, he started sailing and I think being the competitive person I am, I saw him sailing and I was like, oh, I want to try this. I want to try and upstage him, see how we go. Um, and then I said, mum, mum, can I can I do that? Can I do that? And I was definitely a lot younger than I should have been. I was probably six or seven when I said that. Um, and so here we were in this little tiny Opti, um, plastic Opti, which is pretty slow, probably about one and a half metres long and one metre wide to give you an idea of the size. Um, with my six foot six dad in the back with me. Um, yeah, we, we went off and I gave it a go and yeah, I, I did love it, but I didn't love it by myself for a very long time. I like to have someone with me and didn't want to stray too far from the shore. I was the same as Will. I didn't necessarily love it at first. It took a lot of convincing, um, I was described as a seagull from that you could hear from the shore when I would get scared. But, um, yeah, that was my first experience of sailing. But, I, yeah, over time I just grew to love it and grew to love all the different things it has to offer. Love that. And um, between you two, you've done, you've done a lot of different things already. 
So um, just to name a few things, you've got Youth Olympian um, and you've already represented Australia. Um, Youth Sailing World Champion. Tell me about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so as I grew out of the, the Sabo that I started in, I went through a series of different competitive classes, um, one being the NACRA 15, which is one of the last classes I'd sailed in my youth. Um, and so the NACRA 15, so I guess the predecessor to the NACRA 17, which we'll talk about a bit later. Um, but I had qualified at um, two Australian national championships um, consecutively uh, to qualify for the world championships in Poland or the youth world championships in Poland later the next year. Um, and in doing that, um, a lot of hard work was involved and we got overseas and um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to take away the Youth World Championships win um, in the NACRA 15 class at the time. So yeah, fantastic experience um, being against the other world's best competitors. I was 24, 24 boats at the time. Um, it's a venue where it's, all, it's almost like a mini Olympics venue. So you've got no parents involved. It's a very individual, independence-based kind of regatta. Um, so you've got a coach and a, and you go over with your team um, and you spend the next five, seven days just preparing for the regatta and then you're into an intense five to six days in a row of um, competitive sailing where you've got different conditions and, you know, you've got the pressure of everyone kind of supporting you at home, wanting you to do well. Um, but it was one of those regattas, a freak moment in my life where uh, just the pressure and the urge to succeed had really just kind of been blown away and it was just about taking each day by but day by day and um and seeing you know where we'd fit in uh, for the first few days and just it was all about doing our best and after doing our best for the first few days it was obvious that we were at a really good level and it was just about keeping consistent and keeping consistent regatta um and we never won a single race until the very last day um where we actually started really far behind everybody because we didn't want to get a, a penalty to throw us off the scorecard. Um, and then we ended up winning that race, which is just one of those moments you can reaffirm that pressure or not having any pressure actually increases your performance massively. Um, but yeah, that, that was an amazing experience. Yeah, it's amazing how when you start loving something and going all in on that passion and you start to become competitive and you, you do well and you you find yourself at that more competitive level, even Olympic level, you feel a little bit, bit more pressure that almost like at the start, you would say you, you wouldn't warrant that sort of pressure because you just wanted to do it for fun. How are you handling that now pressure and balance between, you know, doing something passionate, which you guys are about and, you know, taking it uh, more seriously on that competitive level? Um, yeah, well, uh, I think we've just really broken down what we're doing at the moment into intervals and steps, um, between our regattas and what our goals are. So for example, um, when we just joined together, we'd set a goal of, um, you know, let's tick off how to do a jive, how to do attack. Um, just put really simply, this is really basic stuff. Um, and then as we're going on, our performance gains getting less and less and less and less as we increase our skills. So I guess with, with that pressure, you just have to keep really composed and keep your techniques the same and try and build on them from there. So then you can get those little percentages 
out of that. Yeah. And that really helps decrease the pressure. Um, yeah. I think adding to that, um, it's definitely real, the pressure. It is there, especially the further you get into it because, you know, we, we've now launched this Olympic campaign. We're saying where we want to go. We're saying what we're going to do. Um, and we have this goal of, you know, qualifying for the Olympic Games and then hopefully winning a gold medal one day. And that's that's not a small target. Like that's not everyone does that. Only a few percent of people in Australia even get to represent Australia, let alone win a gold medal at the Olympics. Um, and to do it also in a sport like sailing where it requires so much support and, and so much money to get to where you need to go, um, it's definitely real, the pressure. Um, and I think the more people you tell about it and the more people that support you, it feels like you're being so heavily supportive, but it also feels like you, to a sense, you don't want to let them down. Like that's true because everyone's supporting us so much. Um, but I think we're learning so many strategies along the way. Um, and also with sports psychology, it's really important to, you know, like Will said, focus on the process of things and just have faith in the process, have faith in your nutrition, have faith in everything you put all the hours in for. Because um, at the end of the day, if you don't have faith in that, then you're not going to have faith in anything regardless of your success. So I, exactly. I, I think you just got to really break it down, as Will said, and just know that everyone is supporting you because they know that you're trusting the process and putting in the work and they may not necessarily um, think of you differently regardless of the result, but, um, you know, if you trust the process, you're likely to get there if you put in the work. So, yeah. So you're yeah. going to, you're going to be household names heading to Paris 2024. Are you ready for that? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. I think it's such a cool thing. What, what we've done. Um, there's not, it's not too common. Well, not very common at all, what we're doing um, in our approach to our Olympics campaign. We've got a, a team name, Team Limitless. Um, it's our brand, it's our identity, and it's a really community-based brand where we've got a, a lot of support coming from the community, all of our support coming from the community. And I think we're really proud to, to have that and to carry that with us because it means so much to us. Um, and and they're going to be on the race tra race track, so if I can speak with us, so um, in a way, and yeah, yeah, I, I think it's really awesome that um, we're approaching this with the thought that Team Limitless is representing not just sailors; it's representing anyone who wants to achieve anything in their life. Um, and if we we have a legacy of that, and we motivate people and inspire people along the way. Um, I'm so ready to have a household name with that legacy. Like in my whole life, all I want to do is help people and support people. I'm very much a nurturing person, you can say. And if I could nurture someone or inspire them towards their dream or goal in life, whether that's, you know, just to do a push-up or whether it's to uh, learn how to play the guitar or something like that or whether it's to be an Olympian or win a gold medal um, to have that kind of legacy in my life is definitely something to live for um, and yeah I think if I that's what I, what I do in my life I think that's a pretty good life regardless of the outcome absolutely and, and speaking of legacy who are your personal heroes um, and what qualities beyond success do you admire 
Well, um, I'd say one of my, uh, one of the people I look up to is Tom Slingsby. Um, he's an Olympic gold medalist in the laser class. Um, and he's currently, well, he was named the world's best sailor only a few months ago. And one of the things about him that I really look up to is the way he approaches his sailing. Um, one of his famous um, quotes, I think, is um, like it's every wave. And what he means by that is in the laser, you really got to, it's such a tactical class and not so much of a, not so much a boat speed class. So I've really got to work for the boat speed as every wave comes. So a wave's in like a half second interval and you're working the boat to get where you need to go. And I think the idea of working really hard um, and keep, keeping your head high, keep pushing forwards is something that I look up to. And it's put him in a pretty amazing place today where he's, uh, he's won Sail GP, which is a, an international Formula One type sailing Grand Prix. And, um, and he's done many other amazing things. Amy? Um, well, you don't have to necessarily be uh, sports people as well. You can suggest non-sailing um, people that admi you admire that, that help you um, in, your, in your journey. Um, well, I think in terms of athletes, definitely Tom Slingsby as well for me, but I'm not going to elaborate on that because we've already done that. Um, but apart from, yeah, probably... An everyday person that inspires me is this teacher that I had at school. Um, his name's John Williamson, and it sounds strange, but um, he's just one of those people that kind of grasped life and all it had to offer. Well, he still does. And um, he just he gave me this mindset to life that you just have to take every day as it comes, take all the opportunities that are thrown at you because you never know when you where you would end up. For example, not that I'm suggesting this is a good thing to do, but when he was in school, he used to leave school on a Friday to go surfing and he, he didn't care because he knew that he would have fun surfing. He loves school, but he loves surfing more. And in the end, he ended up getting expelled from school and didn't finish year 12. So him being him, loving life and wanting to learn, even though I didn't suggest so, um, he he went overseas for a few years and um, took some hiking tours and sailing tours and all those things. And then he was like, hmm, I want to go to university, but no university is going to take me. But he didn't let that stop him and he applied for every single university in Australia <laughs> and he re got rejected from every single one except for actually the University of Tasmania of all things. And now he is a doctor of history and knows pretty much everything. Well, not everything there is to know, but if you ask him a question, he almost always knows the answer. He that. can sing, he can play guitar. He's just one of those people that you talk to them and you're just blown away by how much knowledge they have and yeah, I think his outlook on life and the way he talks about life is so inspiring. Um, and, yeah, I'd say that he's he's a legend that, that I look up to and his, his legacy, not it's still going, but his legacy is definitely something that has turned me into the person I am today. That's for sure. Yeah, we, all, we all have that one teacher. You know? <laughs> um, and me, yeah. me being a former school teacher myself, it's like I, I, that's, that was always the goal as a teacher. Uh, even though I was in the profession for three years and then I left to go 
and make a bigger impact outside of it, that's definitely still the goal uh, outside as an educator of life to anybody. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, loving, I'm loving that, hearing a teacher's inspired you. You know, there are some out there. <laughs> there and are there's, some out there. There's definitely many more as well, if so, anyone ever hears this. <laughs> yeah, so Tasmania is a good place for education. Then. Okay, we got it. We're good, we're good. Yeah, I was very lucky, but yeah, he's definitely one of the standouts for me. Yeah. You guys are you guys are now a team. Tell me about how you guys met and decided to go. Let's do this as a duo. Yeah, well, um, it all started when uh, I had the aspiration to go to the Olympics um, in the NACRA seventeen class, and that started uh, back in two thousand and twenty one. Um, we had an Australian Sailing Futures program running every two weeks for the whole year um, around COVID where, where that's at. But um, yeah, I was studying full-time university um, up in Launceston and then every two weeks I was flying up to um, Point Wilson Croft in Lake Macquarie to get on the NACRA 17. That, there was a boat provided by Australian Sailing, which was fantastic and got to know the class really well via that. Um, looking for a crew and then uh, fortunately enough I could then afford to get the boat itself uh, which I then brought down to Tasmania um, so then the boat was based out of Tasmania from January this year um, and I was on the hunt for a teammate so um, it all started around February period um, putting my hand up asking if anyone is available any female gun sailors are available <laughs> and um and yeah, tried a, a few people, and it was wasn't until Amy shone through the ceiling, um, you know, enthusiastic, um, just a bright person. Uh, it, it, we joined up four months ago, uh, July period, um, and that was just through repetition of training um, and, and just understanding the boat. And I was trying to understand, you know, how different teammates think and. And um, yeah, I guess it wasn't until that period that Amy popped through and <laughs> I asked her if she wanted to campaign and it all, it all happened and here we are. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and I think that kind of tells it how it is, but I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my sailing and I'm the kind of sailor if anyone knows or yourself knows anything about sailing, it's one of those sports where you can do any different type of sailing. You could be on your cruising yacht with a glass of champagne in the sun with the with the motor on, or you could be a yacht sailor where you go racing on yachts, or you could be a dinghy sailor, which means you sail in little boats that you push off the beach, or you could be an offshore sailor. You could go... Um, in in the ocean and go crazy places that not many people have ever touched in the world um and I have kind of dabbled in lots of different types of sailing um and I just didn't really know where to take it because there's a very fine line between well not fine line but if you want to keep going with dinghy sailing you can either do it casually, like really casually, or you can go all the way and do an Olympic campaign. And and when I met Will, I knew of his ambition and it was definitely something that was super interesting to me. And I was, I've always wanted to be on the front of a boat crewing, which means you're doing a lot of the physical work and you make the boat go fast, like that's your role. 
Um, I'm usually the one steering at the back. So I've always wanted to be the person at the front. And I think I wanted it so bad. <laughs> I just wanted to keep sailing on the boat. It's such an amazing boat that, yeah, I was, yeah, super excited when Will asked me and still love every second on the boat. So can't so, wait. Speaking of the boat, give me some words that describe hanging off the yacht at 90 kilometres an hour um, <laughs> on the hydrofoils and just, everything's just working. It's pretty boring. <laughs> no, it's, um, wow, it's, it's exhilarating, but to the point where we're at with our training, I think you'd almost say very focused. Mm. Like you, you don't focus on that because if you do, you become off balance. Um, but when you do focus on it, wow, it's it's exhilarating. It's, um, you know. Like being in the moment? Yeah, very, very much being in the moment. But it's such a, a kind of kick, kick up horse, like almost like on a bull, that you've just got to keep so in tune with it that you don't really have time to, to take your head out of the boat. Um, yeah, I was describing to someone the other day that um... – I was so going 20 knots is the same as going like 40 k's an hour, which on a boat is pretty fast, but it's not the fastest we go, but it's pretty fast still, especially when you're sailing. Um, I was saying to someone the other day how crazy it is the more you sail the boat, how when you first sail the boat, that feels crazy. And the feeling of foiling, which is what we do, which is where the boat actually lifts above the water and is hovering almost um, on two little stilts. <laughs> is, is how you can imagine it um the feeling of that when you do it for the first time um it's because it's there's almost no friction in the water compared to having the whole hull of the boat in the water it feels like you're flying and it feels like um everything around you goes quiet because you're going so fast um you can't hear anything else around you it's hard to explain it without sounds like, it's a... it, it, it'd be like being in an electric car for the first time and just hearing a bit of water trickle yeah it's you... it's like from going to a um a big ute to an electric car everything <laughs> goes quiet yeah. <laughs> um and yeah but I was saying someone the other day how that feeling used to get my heart rate so high just from the adrenaline that I would feel but now going 20 knots just feels normal. Mm. And it, I never thought I would say that, but I guess that's like anything. The more you do it, the more it becomes the norm. And now we're just pushing for even faster speeds and how we can make the boat go quicker rather than just searching for that feeling of um, silence, I guess. And, and, yeah, another thing to add is with the foils, with the water running past the foils, it creates a, like a type of high pitch. Um, and so it sounds like I think the best explanation is holding a fire alarm into your ear. Um, it's beautiful stuff. It's really nice, but you can actually measure um, not so much the speed, but at least have a, a rough idea of how fast you're going with how high the pitch is increasing, uh, which is pretty funny because you don't really need to know how fast you're going. You just need to hear how fast you're going, <laughs> which is a bit of an odd concept. But, um, yeah, it's it's exhilarating. I feel that my my kind of moment is uh, when I'm snowboarding and I'm snowboarding in the powder. When you're on the the groom run uh, and and you're kind of more on the harder snow, the 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 ice almost, depending on where you're at. But in Japan, when you're out on a day after there's been a big um, uh, snowfall, um, you've got just clouds and blankets of just the softest snow. And when you hit that cloud, 
you just you hear like you, you just you feel like you're flying as well so the way you describe that i'm just like i'm in the mountains of uh Niseko and i'm just i can feel it like oh cool but i also go if i stop here i'm gonna be real deep in it <laughs> so, yeah that's the same with us though if we lose focus at all and we do a movement wrong or trim the sails wrong something happens to the boat it's called ventilating so i don't know if we wants to elaborate but it's pretty much it's the same thing if you lose focus you stack it into the water and you come off the the foils which are like being on stilts it's like falling off your stilts and you just hit the water super hard and it's not very fast and it sends you flying sometimes all the way around the front of the boat and into the water so <laughs> you have to be so focused and we have to be so in sync because if that doesn't happen it's like you said you're falling into it and you should just be gone but um in yeah. four months four months together sailing and you're, you're you're going for an olympic run that's crazy you know like that synergy um you find that within each other will you're mentioning that you had a couple of uh of goes before amy um, it's, it sounds like almost like a, like a, like a blind date sort of thing <laughs> going through each one. You're like, nah, red flag. You yeah. can't, you can't yeah. muster up or, you know, like little things like apart from going in depth into the sailing, um, technical sailing components of what, you know, Amy does well and vice versa too. I'm sure she put you on a pedestal. Yeah. Um, I had to suss him out as well. Yeah, yeah, you had to suss him <laughs> out as well. What is, what is one attribute that you like about each other in terms of the sailing? In terms of the sailing, I think we've got a very similar mindset that evolves around what our goal and ambition is. Um, and in doing that, we've, got a, a similar personality like obviously they're different in like quite big ways but we're often thinking of the same things at the same time uh, which is quite funny um we've got I don't know just the same the same mindset um and attributes wise I think just the, the goal to work hard and work for your your goal it's the same thing um and dream big is something that we both do very well and it keeps us thriving and moving forward yeah. yeah do you guys have time for relationships outside of sailing well i i do have a boyfriend and i've been with him for three and a half years it's very hard actually amongst balancing work and sport as as well as family and friends as well as a boyfriend it's quite hard balancing it all um you do find yourself having a lot of moments where you feel pretty selfish because there's so much to do to make sure that you're doing your sport successfully um, that you feel like you're kind of shutting them out. Um, yeah, but there is time, but it, you have to have someone who understands what you're doing because it's not easy for them <laughs> or, or, or yourself. Um, and yeah, but yeah, I'm very lucky. <laughs> Yeah, and and being you guys are so young in, into this um, with your paths from someone. I'm I'm 31, and uh, for the listeners, by the way, just mention your ages quickly. We didn't cover that. Oh, I'm 20, and I'm 20. <laughs> I 20. Think about so for a second, <laughs> a bunch of young whippersnappers. Um, so 
and then like in terms of my general advice to um to my students when they would go on to graduate like you would have been students of, of mine if I was at, at the school like I, that you went to um it's it's yeah staying focused you're allowed to be selfish in your 20s and even in your 30s even even if you figured out if you haven't figured out where you want to go but if you have honed in on something and you're focused and you you found someone else to help drive you um whether it's your sailing partner or a you know a, a, an intimate relationship partner um you have to you have to keep communicating um and it's the same with business yeah and, and you have to keep pushing forward and if things start to change as as you're discovering yourself if you're loving what you do and you feel like the other person is kind of derailing you they're being selfish but they're allowed to be selfish true and that's where you have to have that a tough conversation not saying that it's going to happen or anything but i'm finding uh, a lot of the kids nowadays they uh, hone into something early and they feel that they have to be selfless as well which doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily true if you can find a balance then great but if you're sacrificing a gold medal for it then and that's like a total ultimate goal in my opinion you know olympic gold medal to me it's like you know what's what what's left apart from going back to back you know um it's where you have to really make sure that you go is this something that i'm doing um right now potentially derailing me from the ultimate goal and if it is then you have to ask yourself how, how important is that goal so you kind of go through a socratic method sort of line of questioning you know socrates there's socratic method sort of thing um if you don't know what socratic method is look it up it's really quite interesting into to going through that step by step questioning with that other person go all right what is the main goal here this is my main goal and this is your main goal are we in sync are we not in sync and if it's not then we need to uh find a compromise or we need to be selfish for ourselves because the most important person in your life is yourself. And when you're coming in as a team, that team, it becomes one. And if someone starts to kind of go left field, right field, they're no longer in the team originally. Right. So anyway, that's just my philosophical rant, but um, going back to you guys, um, the uh, I've got, I've got something else here in terms of underdogs. So let's talk about underdogs. Um, so you've got the Aussie battler taking on the world and triumphing is what we love as a nation um, in Australia. You've got the uh, America's Cup. Uh, I, even I wasn't around for when we took the dub back in the 80s. Um, we've got Ash Barty, who, you know, was uh, number one, world number one in the tennis. You've got Dylan um, Alcott and Cadell Williams. Why do you think Aussies love the underdog? I think... Um... Australia, not that I, I haven't been to many other countries, actually. I've been in Australia pretty much my whole life, apart from venturing to New Zealand briefly. Um, but, yeah, I think Australia is what everyone loves, someone who gives it a crack or gives it a go or is just willing to try something, even if they have no idea whether they're going to be good at it or not. Um, and that's not necessarily what our campaign is about because obviously we – we train really hard and we're very confident in our ability. Um, but I think the idea that we have been at it for not as long as some of the others already counts us as an underdog because 
that's just the facts. That's just how performance works. It takes time. Yeah. Um, but I think Australians love an underdog because um, we, Australian culture just, I think the idea of just participating in anything, no matter what your ability is, is something as a nation we're all for because we're a pretty inclusive nation and mm. there's people from far and wide and we have so many different sports, so many because we've got so much water around us, but we've also got so much land. Like it's, it's very broad in the opportunities that we have in Australia. And I think it's important to not um, put yourself in a box and just try all the opportunities that you have because there's so many and I know it's not the same for everyone and I know that people are limited by, you know, socioeconomic status or, um, you know, or their individual circumstance. But I think the idea of someone who wants to try something because they can and whether that means that they'll pursue it for the rest of their life or just for that five minutes, mm. I think something we love and I think that's what that's what represents an underdog because you're not afraid of being the underdog you're not afraid of the work that you have to put in to get to your goal so exactly and that's what drives us yeah (laughs) you mean um, I think that that yeah you um you look at like the Socceroos we're now officially in the top 16 soccer nations according to the world cup you know I mean there's rankings and stuff but we're in the we're in the final 16 you know, everyone wrote us off in the 32, <laughs> in the in the qualifying stages, and now here we are. You know, beating beating uh, some big teams. So um, yeah, I love uh, I love your approach to it. So let's fast forward um, to you know going into the next stage because we're manifesting, we're envisioning things. Um, you're going to be doing a lot of in, uh, national and international media as well as uh, global coverage. So, you know, practice here, right? Um, in the lead up to uh, the regattas in Australia and overseas, how do you feel about that? Oh, well, I think we haven't put too much pressure on ourselves. I think we really understand that we're here to obviously do our best and there's pressure involved, but taking each, each regatta step by step, day by day, um, is a big thing that will help us, especially being underdogs, um, focus on the goal the, the goal in a short period of time. Because I think being underdogs, thinking about the long-term game is just way too much pressure. Um, yeah, so for example, we're off to Sydney this Tuesday um, to compete in South Sydney, which will regatta between the 15th and the 19th of December. Um, and in, in going up, we'll be training on the water. We won't be setting any expectations but to do our best. And I think that's where we'll achieve our best because we don't have any pressure in, in that aspect. Obviously, there's pressure regardless of that. Um, yeah. yeah, I think even with our training, because we recently went to a training camp um, with the rest of the Australian teams, um, well, not all of them, but most of them, and... I think it was it's super important as an athlete if you're coming into it with less experience it's super important to just be a sponge and sort of take it all in and really take all the information and the experience and time on the water in as much as you can because you have so much to gain when you are the underdog or you're someone that's newer to it because 
everyone else may have already done something before. And if you can get that information off them, then that's already a bonus and you're already fast tracking. So I think for us, it's just really knowing where we're at and making sure that we're really being positive about the progress we're making because if when and just being really thorough with how we're taking notes on our progress and, and making sure every um everything we do is on purpose. So everything in our training that we do is on purpose and we know why we're doing something so that we can achieve an outcome. Because if we just go, oh we'll just go for a sale. Mm. Yeah. We fun. It's a nice day. We'll just yeah. kick our feet up and we'll see what the boat does today. Um Yes, we do that to a sense because we love it so much and we are out on the water in the sun having a great time, but just making sure that if something happens, we think about why that happened and how that happened and what that did for us as a team and for the boat, and then we make sure that we do it next time <laughs> or if it was good or if it was bad, we we don't do it again. So I think with approaching these regattas, well, this regatta in Sydney in the next month and then going to Europe next year, there's going to be so much to learn because trying to navigate around Europe with a boat and all the logistical um, things that go with that as well as just things that come up that you don't expect, even managing those on a base level is a moment to be a sponge. It's a moment to take it all in and a moment to learn from your mistakes and to um, better yourself with every moment. So I think we're going into it, um, yeah, just wanting to. You're going about it the right way. You're definitely going about it the right way. You're, um, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think uh, yeah. some, some advice for that is um, when, you're, when you're reflecting <clears throat> on the negatives, you've got to reflect on the positives um, because when you're in the negatives, you can look back at the positive reflections and go, oh, that's right. Remember, we took notes about this when this went right. We didn't do that this time. And that uh, becomes a complimentary sort of self-guide to when the times were good, um, your bad times are just a reminder of we didn't uh, we didn't do this one thing that we really did that well last time we forgot about it, but thank God we took notes and we reflected on it. And um, uh, in your 20s, you're just the beginning of that, you know, like... And that's why I feel like people fail a lot more. They don't use it as a learning curve. And when they're high on their own supply, they're going smashing it. They're, they're all going, they're all focused about the winnings and the, and the, oh, how good are we? But they're not mentally taking notes on why they've succeeded. They think about, oh, we've just worked hard and that was it. It's like, no, there's variables in there that have helped you succeed. Like you can go super, um, super hectic about it and go all right we sleep we slept eight hours or we had this many grams of pasta and stuff it can get hell ridiculous but uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's like your your habits and your your uh routines and also on game day your mindset and how you got into that mindset and uh that's where that psychology you mentioned before amy really is important and then also journaling do you guys journal a lot Sometimes definitely would benefit from doing it a bit more, but mm. not as much. Um, but I think going back to what you were saying, I think um, this idea of you, I kind of live by, and I think we both do, but you don't know something until you know something. And I think I kind of live by that, <laughs> that phrase you could say. And I think that goes back to being the underdogs. Like 
we've got to not be afraid of not knowing something because at the end of the day, yeah. all you do in life, whether it's learning to walk, learning to talk, learning how to sail in NACRA 17, you've got to not be afraid of not knowing something. Mm. And I think a lot of people in life don't do something because they don't know how to do it and they're afraid to ask. And I think if if anyone takes anything away from this from me, I would say don't be afraid to ask questions. I'm very much a question person and I'm probably that annoying person in the class that asks all the questions. Um, but I think don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid to not know something because you don't know until you know. And then once you do know, you can take notes. So I think, yeah, that's probably something that is very much in our mindset going to the next six months. I love that. And, um, and building on top of this, <laughs> um, like a huge part of what we're doing, there's a lot of pressure, we're underdogs. We want to get everything that's, well, every opportunity that's given to us, we want to get it right. Um, and in, in doing that, you know, we get things wrong and, and that's okay. And like, I think having the mindset of actually rewarding yourself with the little things that you do get right will actually help you go a long way with your mindset. Yeah. Well, it's almost essential because otherwise you just get so caught up in the negatives that you'll find yourself at the bottom of a hole and you won't be able to get back up. So I think having the little positives building you back up is so important always. Exactly. So, and that's, that's a great segue, even though you've started to sprinkle into it um for for the advice of other young australians who want to dream the extraordinary what are each of your pieces of advice your golden nuggets well i think um going back to the legacy um talk just working hard making sure you have a goal because without a goal you're not going to be able to progress towards it otherwise you're progressing towards a cloud rather than a set dream and a set goal I would say it's pretty much what I just said. I'd say don't be afraid of not knowing something because there's so much in this world that we don't know. And if we never ask, well, we either have to Google it or never know. So I think um, that's that's definitely what I live by. And I haven't always lived by that. I've definitely not always been someone who would ask questions um, or give everything a go because I think it comes with, maturity and and finding yourself but yeah don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be afraid of not knowing because if you never ask you will never know that's it, <laughs> that's pretty that's it. i love that and um <laughs> yeah i think i think just to add to to the goal setting um it's important to set habits that get you to those goals because without a consistent habit build that you know, uh, helps you uh, achieve the each individual action to each goal. Um, the goals are going to be forever unreachable. Um, so, so that's something that I picked up recently, um, more so over the last two years, really just consolidating what that means. It's great to have goals. It's great to have ambitions, but they're the end point. The journey is where the habits lie and you've got to enjoy the journey but those habits need to become second nature for that um, enjoyability to continue um, because then you it's just second nature and then um, those goals come in and you feel, you look back and you go, oh, that was, that was easier than I thought. We reached that goal in no time. Wow. 
but that's because of the habits. And those habits are reflected in those journals, whether they're positives or negatives and things like that. Um, so you're going off to Sydney next week and then you're going off to Europe next year. You're uh, traveling for the first time overseas. Um, a couple of quick questions uh, to summarize today. Um, where's somewhere you've always wanted to sail competitively first, but also just as a, like a off the cusp, you know, somewhere in the, wherever, go. Um, competitively, I think somewhere in Italy would be pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like I've like been fortunate enough to go to Portugal, Poland, um, New Zealand, and I've kind of dodged Italy. It's just been that one little nugget in the middle that I'd love to kind of explore um, competitively. And I think it's it's there's this famous lake, Lake Garda. Um, it's almost people call it heaven at times. So <laughs> with that marketing, you know, I'd, I'd really like to have a go at racing there. Um, in terms of anywhere, Antarctica popped into my mind, but I was like, yeah. no, that is not good. Pretty much there when you're in Tasmania. <laughs> well, yes. Um, yeah. Mediterranean, I think. Um, just, I guess not competitively near the crystal blue water and the pristine sand beaches would be really nice. Envisioning some palm trees and, oh, I've got my local hammock. I can just chuck off on the palm tree <laughs> and go back to my catamaran. But... <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's what I have envisioning, just something without pressure, without competitiveness. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say for me is Lake Garda as well um, in Italy <laughs> because <laughs> it's just, if you're a sailor and you hear Lake Garda, you're like, oh, Lake Garda. It's just one of those places that everyone talks about. And I have to say, everyone calls Hobart, the Derwent Estuary where we sail, the gutter of the South which is debatable in the sailor community. But on the right day, it's pretty good. But, yeah, Lake Garda is just so beautiful, um, all the the cliffs surrounding it. And the thing that attracts me as a sailor for a com competition, well, obviously challenging conditions create challenge, but they also make it interesting in different ways. But Lake Garda is known for its consistent breeze and it's at a an amount that is makes for great sailing it's not too little it's not too much it's just just right the goldilocks say, of the, the goldilocks world sailing the and, uh, yep. um but in terms of um if i was to just go on a holiday i definitely want to go to greece <laughs> i just think um i don't know if you've ever watched mamma mia <laughs> the movie <laughs> that is I just want to go to that island I don't know what it's called but I want to go there on my yacht and I want to just sit on there all day and eat a cheese platter that is all <laughs> I want to do in sailing in recreational terms um but yeah that's that's pretty much the the, the dream for me <laughs> that's awesome and uh in terms of endorsement deals um who's your dream endorsement sponsorship kind of brand Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a tough one that is a tough one well i guess you've got to weigh up do we want nutritional sponsors do we want logistics sponsors but for me i'd say it's a tough question. Tough question. <laughs> you know 
I mean, we're happy with anybody at the moment. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd, oh, I'd really love um, to be able to travel without worrying. So, so Qantas, let's hit up Qantas. Yeah, there we go. Let's hit up Emirates. Let's hit up uh, Air New Zealand, maybe. Um, yeah, Pan Pacific, uh, you know, good ones. And then, uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. Maybe some hotels as well for the accommodation. Hotel uh, Like the Hilton or, you know, the hotel or uh, maybe even like a travel brand. But, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, but, yeah, I like how you think about nutritional too. Um, everyone's jumping on. Oh, Red Bull's going to be a good one, but they don't sell. They don't sell energy drinks. They sell adventure. So you know, having a big Red Bull sticker on the side of your uh, on the, of your yacht, you're like, well, oh, that means they go fast, or they do flips, or something like that. That's what I think about. But anyway, yeah. thank you so much for your time, guys, today, and um, I look forward to uh, coming out, coming out and visiting Tassie. I was there last week, so we didn't get a chance to catch up, but. Um, when we're uh, when we're on the same island together um, in the same postcode, we'll uh, definitely go out there and um, let's see if uh, you mentioned your dad's six foot six. I'm six foot ten, so <laughs> let's see if I can survive uh, a, a, a day out in the yacht and uh, <laughs> teach me all the things and You'll love it. see if my back survives because uh, I feel like I'll be ducking under stuff a lot. So. Uh, yeah. Wear a helmet so you'll be fine. You can just tuck your body over. I think I'll I think I'm past the helmet. I think I'll need like a vest. Any <laughs> fat vest, yeah. Wouldn't yeah. be a bad idea. Marshmallows. Yeah, that's it. All right, guys. Um, for everybody listening at home, um, where can we find your journey and where can we follow on your new journey? Yeah, so we've got um our main social media out of Facebook. So you can look up Team Limitless on uh, Facebook. Um, or if you're struggling to do that, we've got our website, teamlimitless.au. Um, there you'll find our Instagram socials, our Facebook socials, um, and you'll be able to subscribe to our weekly news that we have often coming. Cool. Yeah, um, for anyone that's... For anyone that's in Australia um, that potentially might like to donate to our campaign, we have an Australian Sports Foundation page, which is called Team Winnerless, um, and we're about to go live with that. And, yeah, if anyone would like to contribute to our campaign, we would be so grateful for it and a little goes a long way. So, yeah, if, if anyone feels like putting a little bit into that, we'd be more than grateful. Put all the details in for sure. All right. Thanks for uh, coming in and uh, everyone listening. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, you, you heard them go out there and support our locals, uh, our national, future national heroes. You're already heroes. Uh, <laughs> let's see how you go. All right, everyone, as always, uh, good thanks and thanks for tuning in.